So hi and welcome to Dietless Living 360 Degrees, Overcoming Weight Loss Obstacles with me, your host, Katie Gordon. As a weight loss coach, I help my clients to overcome weight loss obstacles in six simple steps so that they can lose weight their way and lose it for life. But the old saying that it takes a village to raise a child is actually true as well for reaching our weight loss and our health goals because not all the obstacles that we have are actually just in our health area. Some of the obstacles we have are in other areas that are impacting on our ability to control our weight or reach our health goals. Sometimes we have uh, problems or obstacles in relationships, in work, in business, finances, in our home environment. And sometimes we have injuries or other more complex health issues going on. And whilst they're all impacting on our weight and our health and how to overcome weight loss obstacles in six simple steps actually helps you to create those happy, healthy habits and maintain them through those challenging times in your life, we also need professionals to help resolve those obstacles. So with that in mind, Dietless Living 360 Degrees brings in those professionals to help you overcome those obstacles. And today we have Glenn Kirkwood. And well, the best way to describe Glenn Kirkwood is as intense. He's one of those people that just goes at things, you know, with 100% focus. He believes that's absolutely the only way for him to maximize his results. He's a fearless skier who served on the Threadbow Ski Patrol for over 25 years. He's also a global distance runner, a loving father of two gorgeous girls, Montana and Georgia, and previous to his current cleaning business, which has grown to be a major player in the end of lease market, Glenn ran one of the most successful BNI franchises in the country, which saw its members sharing in over $50 million in new business every single year. So welcome to the show, Glenn. It's so great to having you with us today. Would you like to tell us a little bit about what you do and what the main way is that you help your clients? All right. Thanks for having me on the show, Katie. Um, look, we run a business called That Cleaning Crew, and uh, we primarily help people uh, solve problems, and we just do it through uh, cleaning. So whether it be they're selling a home and want to maximize the dollars that they get returned from that, whether they're vacating a, uh, a property that they've been the tenant for, whether or not they just want to spring clean, or whether or not they've had some renovations or bought a new home, you just got to get rid of that dust. We primarily help those people. Awesome. And with the end of lease claim, because that really is um, a hard thing. I've rented homes before, apartments and whatnot, and they can be really, really picky um, at the end when it's time to get your bond back. So how, does, how do you really help your clients there with that? Often people forget when they first move into a property, they forget how it looked and it was beautiful and clean. There were no marks on walls and everything just looked fantastic. What they don't realise is that every bit of dust from the moment they sign the lease or pick up the keys is their responsibility. So, you know, 12 months, uh, maybe two, three, up to seven years later on, you can collect a fair amount of dust and you you know, bump into a wall and all that sort of thing. Well, it's a, a professional cleaning company that brings all of that back and returns it to the investor, uh, the landlord. 
uh, or the real estate agent that's managing that property uh, in the best shape. And uh, the way that we help people is not necessarily um, with cleaning, we help them get their bond back. So we know most of the, what the property managers are looking for. Um, we know what sort of standard has to be returned in. So we just talk to tenants and sort of saying, hey, here's what you got to get done. Which parts of it do you want to do? Which parts do you want to let us do? Excellent. Because I, having done my own bond cleans and having had to go back, you know, because I've missed the window tracks or the tracks on the sliding doors on the cupboards. Um, I know how great it is to actually have someone come in and do yeah. the work for me because the hours that I've spent cleaning, yeah, just, you know, drives me nuts because they get in there, do the clean, think it was fabulous, and then the, you know, the property manager would come and go, not quite, like you say, not quite as pristine as when you moved in, is it? <laughs> Sometimes it's just explaining to people that, um, hey, listen, if you and your wife are going to take the day off, you know, you earn $300 a day and she earns $150 or $200 a day, that's $500. Um, you've got to nail everything and it's very rewarding when you get it right. But if you don't and you've got to come back and one of you has to have more time off, um, then that's how much it's going to be, right? And this is at the end of moving everything and moving into a new property. So my question to them is, Really, what do you want to focus on? Do you just want to pay someone? And nobody wants to pay, all right? Um, but they just want the result done. So we help negotiate them through that particular process and say, hey, we just want to help you get your bond back and move into your, your new chapter of your life as effortlessly as possible. Yeah, get in, get settled at your new place and just forget about the old one. Yeah, let it go, you know. Well, it's such a good point, right? Because if you've got to take a couple of days off or worse still, spend your whole weekend doing the cleaning and then straight back to work on Monday after you've, you know, packed, moved, cleaned, moved in, oh, just you might as well just exactly right, pay somebody to come and do the work. And really that's an obstacle that people have, right, is either they're selling their house and they need someone to come and make it look great for sale moving place moving like we've just talked about moving out needing their bond back these are all stressful things that actually create problems for people overall if they're already under a load of stress with life as most people often are it's really good to have somebody who can come in and resolve that for them so one of the things that I like to talk about on the show, Glenn, um, because I like to talk about the obstacles that people do have in life, because these are the things that really do impact on our health. And often when I talk to my clients or people about their weight, it's not very long in, into the conversation before it really comes up what's the problem, what's actually really impacting on their weight and their ability to uh, change their health. And it's all these big hardships that we go through in life. So what's the greatest hardship that you've ever gone through? Um, and how did you actually overcome it? Like, how did you build your resilience? Did you have any strategies in place? Or is it all kind of in hindsight that you could share with us some story that might help someone? I was going to say hardships, but I think there's several. I mean, you don't get to my age, you know, 56 without a few challenges. And I can't really pick which one. But I mean, when you get to 56, it's either divorce, it's either um, health, or it's um, you've been retrenched and you've got a, a work life challenge. So I think I'll choose, um, <laughs> I think I'll choose the work one, right? It's safer. 
to put it into perspective, I was at the peak of my career um, or one of the industries that I was in. I was absolutely just crushing it. I felt really comfortable delivering the, the talks that I was doing. Um, our, our members were getting great value and everything seemed to be running really, really well in life. And then uh, what I didn't realize was there was a person who had control over um, what I was doing and I didn't read the contracts. And so when they made a decision, this guy's too comfortable and um, uh, I want to move him out. Um, you know, 12 months later on, I was gone and it took me about 12 months to recognize that I actually got depressed. Yeah. And, um, you know, when I look back at it, I, I didn't realize how much I was in denial for the first six to 12 months, uh, because I was in shock. I was really good at what I was doing. I was delivering results but it just became down to being a personality clash that they didn't like. Yeah. And I didn't have the control over that, that decision that felt kind of helpless. And so, um, yeah, I really struggled. And when I started to identify it, I'm like, Oh my God, why did I do the big you know, nine hour tattoo? Why did I do the big buy the you know, convertible Porsche? Why did I do all these things? And I looked back and went, Oh, because I was trying to, um, I was trying to keep my head above water, saying everything was okay, and I was literally drowning, and I just didn't face reality. So um, when I did become aware of that, and um, uh, sort of go, well, what am I going to do for a new vacation? I looked around at all the relationships that I had, and I started talking to people. And um, once I moved pride out of the way, I then um, sort of went, well. I'm going to tick. I'm very good at building teams. I'm really good at, um, I've got a great work ethic and started pointing out all the positives that I was good at, which was a lot of life history. Yeah. And so I went, okay, well, where can I apply those talents? And then I just started speaking to people. And one of them became up in uh, to a lot of property managers and real estate, which mm. I had a lot of contacts in. Then somebody gave me a shot at doing something. I had uh, people that uh, I reached out to for support and also uh, training. Hey, Glenn, this is how you clean a property. And then I just went and did it. And uh, someone said, not bad. And then I just asked a lot of questions. And um, I said yes to everything. Learned a lot during that particular process. And now I think we're one of the market leaders, if not the leader in our space less than 18 months later on. So life now looks very, very different to what it was 18 months ago and probably the previous 12 months before that. And the business you're referring to, previous one, was your BNI, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, a valid point that you bring up, right, because when we have a sudden retrenchment or we're moved out of a position without, you know, kind of really knowing what was happening other than sometimes it is just that personality clash or, you know, in careers I've certainly worked with people who work behind the scenes to make it challenging for um, either myself at that time but I've seen it happen to other people. And when we suddenly find ourselves without work and we're not really sure why, what what happened there when you, you've lost your, your business, it's a grieving process but like you said, it's a real shock, isn't it? It's, it's coming to terms with what happened and how come I didn't see that happening that I could have prevented it? Did you, were you just not aware of what was going on? 
you know, in, in hindsight, I wish that they'd just said, say, hey, Glenn, I don't like you. I'm moving you on. I could have understood that. Yeah. Um, but I didn't understand what was happening to me and why. Yeah. Because I was uh, meeting all the KPIs and the targets and all of our clients, uh, the members, loved us. We had the highest retention. So it just didn't make sense. And no matter how badly I fought that, I could definitely see the outcome was going to be this. And so it just came down to, hey, as soon as I accept that I don't have to understand what's being happening, I just need to accept that this is happening. Yeah. Um, it would have been a lot faster, you know, and I would have identified the, um, hey, this is a process. There's going to be some grieving, some anger, um, frustration, all of these feelings. Um, I don't think there's any way to have fast track that. I think you've got to go through all of those steps. I mean, you probably know this um, better than uh, most. There's, there's stages that people are going to go through. But when it's all new to you, you're not sure what's happening. And Why am I feeling this way? Yeah, and when you're in the middle of it, I love that saying that you can't read the label from inside the jar, right? When you're in it, you don't know. You, you need somebody to point out to you. And even then, somebody can point out to you that, you know, you're going through the steps of grieving here. And it's like, no, I'm not. Yeah. I remember saying that to um, people sort of going, no, I'm not. And I sort of went, wow, I, I answered that too quickly. You know, I didn't even listen to what they were saying. I was so defensive. Yes. That's because we're living in a state of survival, right? And when we're in a state of survival, because we're so tense, like we're, we've got so much frustration and inattention in us that we are literally living in a different part of our personality, which is like instantly responsive to any suggestions, anything that's happening, and we're not in our rational logical self because we're often fighting for our uh, survival in some way whether it's for you you know it was financially suddenly you've lost your financials you've lost your position and all of that and we're all the same right it just creams us and we can't hear the rational logical part and I love that you can identify that you went through those that stages of depression and that you uh, were alleviating that with some purchases and doing different things, which we all do. And we, and you know, I know for myself, in hindsight, could have so done more with that finances <laughs> than blowing it on whatever I blew it on. But it is really challenging. Is there three tips or any advice that you could give to somebody that might find themselves in a similar position? even if it was, you know, in their career where maybe somebody's doing something behind their back, you know, trying to leverage them out, what would you, any hindsight? Yeah, um, when I look back at it now, it's almost inevitable um, to be, you know, a, um, a single male above your 50s, not to have um, a marriage breakdown, a health breakdown or a work breakdown, to have one of those happen or certainly happen to someone close by. Um, the thing that got me through uh, that was probably the closeness of the relationships that I had. And I'm someone who doesn't really listen to many people. <laughs> a bit of a numbskull that way. But um, unless people are doing it better than me, I, I just look and say, oh, what have you got to offer? And 
uh, it was those people that I trusted the most, uh, my mum being one of them, just sort of going, hey, just hold on because this too will pass. Yeah. And then I started looking for lots of evidence. So if I had to put it down to three things, I would always say um, in life, uh, build a team of people around you that you trust, yeah. that you know have your best interests at heart when you ask for advice. That's, that's probably number one. Two, just remember this too will pass. Yeah. Uh, life has a funny way of... Um, of changing it around and if you have money all of a sudden you can quickly lose it and if you don't have a lot of it all of a sudden it can turn around too but you have to and then the third one would be you have to take action so i didn't want to be involved in a cleaning company because it was pride that sort of went oh no i was at this level i can't clean, possibly clean and yet i don't see myself as a cleaner at the moment um, because we're a cleaning company and we we really solve solutions um, and all of those skills that I had with the BNI members, I'm just now bringing to the cleaning industry. Yeah. And so I look back now, and the person that exited me out of BNI, I sort of went, actually, I'm really grateful that they made that decision because now I'm um, helping a whole new group of people that I I wouldn't have attracted before. It's just different. Yeah. So I haven't changed at all. So build a team of people around you that you trust understand that time heals a lot of things yeah. and got to take action. That's really good, right? Because, I mean, in, the B, in B&I, your, your people skills, your networking skills, your relationship building skills, did you have them before B&I or did you really develop them through being in B&I? You know, when I, when I left and I did my last presentation, I walked off stage and went, oh, my God, I, I just nailed that. I feel really comfortable now. And I guess talks like this or um, uh, on stage, I've done several of them. My life journey has prepared me for that. B and I just refined it and polished it and made sure, because I was doing so many talks all the time, that I no longer worried about what I looked like. I just wanted to be the best Glenn. I think that probably the greatest thing I learned from B and I is vulnerable, vulnerability. Yeah. You know, if you are true to yourself and sort of say, hey, this is what's going on for me, even if you're fearful of um, looking good in front of a whole bunch of people, vulnerability is such a powerful um, quality to have and it's an incredible leadership skill to have. When you can show people that you're vulnerable and you just do it anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I'd say that um, I guess that journey taught me. And really, so such valuable skills, right? Because it doesn't matter what business you do thereafter. They're the skills that you use to build a business, to create relationships. So I built this business completely by referral. Yeah. And when I started it, um, the people that trained me uh, was a, a past client that was a referral. At least 20 of the, um, the real estate companies that we deal with were previous clients. I just reached out to them and said, hey, started a cleaning company. I went, great, Glenn, thanks. And you've got no idea on what it's like to start a business with all of a sudden 20 customers who can prepare and give you a job a week. Awesome. Not many people get a, a good leg up like that, right? And But that's the value. What's that book? Um, Dig the well before you're thirsty. Wow. Haven't heard of that one. That's a good one. I'll make a note. That's about uh, networking, building your network. doesn't matter whether you're in business, 
just left school, in school, wherever you are, you should always be building your network because, you, you know, don't wait until the, you're thirsty before you need it. Yeah, it's a good it's a good plan. Most people will die in a desert and they won't ever know ever to have uh, spent time digging that well. Yes. So that's really um, like such valuable information to share, A, about starting up a new business, B, about building your networking skills, having a, a group of people around you. So I also like to ask my guests about what are the biggest risks that they've ever taken and why did they take it? Like, did you have, has something come to mind for you? As soon as you, um, we did the, you know, hey, what are the questions you're going to answer? I didn't know the answers to any of them except for this one. That was uh, the biggest risk I've ever taken was doing a course called Landmark Education. Mm-hmm. So uh, my mother went off and, and, and did a course and then, she invited us to her, they call it graduation. So Tuesday night sort of thing. And you go along and you're there to support, you know, someone you care about. In this case, it was my mum. So I was always going to go. Um, and I just saw the change in her and briefly described it's, if you want to be a doctor, you go to doctor school. If you want to be a lawyer, you go to lawyer school. But no one teaches you where to go to be um, life skills, life you know, and so we hear certain words and we make them mean something and then we have our own actions as a result of it. It could be, Glenn, I don't like your shirt, okay? And I might interpret that like you don't like me and then feel really bad and then eat food, right? But all I said was I don't like your shirt. Yeah. And so Landmark, um, whilst I felt incredibly uh, hard for doing it because it's a three-day course, starts early in the morning and finishes late at night. And one of the exercises they got to me to do was a biggest challenge. And I told a lot of lies in my life. And um, the, my challenge was to ring those people right. and bring closure to it. So at nine o'clock at night, right through to about two o'clock in the morning, I'm still ringing these people, sort of saying, hey, it's me. I'm reaching out. Do you remember this? I didn't tell you the truth. This is the truth. And really what I'm committed to doing having is having relationships of love and joy. And um, some people hung up on me yeah. and some people um, sort of said, well, Glenn, I, already, I always knew that. And yeah. I went, really? And then I got to ask a really good question that changed my life. And I said, well, why did you stay friends with me? And they said, well, I like you anyway, Glenn. And so from there, I just made the thing going, this whole lying thing was just BS. I was just kidding myself. I wasn't kidding any of the people that were close to me. Yeah. So I just gave it up. But it was a very challenging course to do. And I knew it as soon as um, my mother invited me along and I saw the change in her and I thought, I I want my life to be different. And I just signed on the dotted line. Um, I don't think anything can prepare you for what the course could be like if you want it to be. But my life is I'm 100% all in. So, so I played full out. Well, and we're going to get to some of those things that are from your bio in in a few questions. I just want to ask you in the landmark because I've heard of landmark. I haven't done it, but I have heard quite a bit about it. I've met some people who have done it, and I've heard different stories from it. And I've not heard one like that where somebody's had to ring everybody that you know you 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 not told the truth to. So did, is, did everybody have a task like that or did everybody find different things that they had to make amends for? 
I guess it was part of what the learning um, uh, during the program. The first program is called the Forum, and um, you just see how when the first part of the morning is them just setting all the rules. Yeah. And people sort of said, "Well, hang on a tick. You can't tell me when I can go and can't go to the bathroom." And then as the course unfolds, you start to see that's the way that they play life all the time. Yeah. They're arguing against everyone, all right, and they don't realise what it costs them. And so, you know, um, I remember a quote, you know, is this a hill you want to die on? Yes. You know, and, um, and I'm sort of going, where do I do that in relationships? Where do I actually make myself a, I have to be right, which means that Katie has to be wrong. Yes. Um, for me to sort of feel good. Why can't Katie win and I win? And then, you know, and so that's really did affect and change my life a little bit because it affected the way I was in BNI and yeah. then my BNI experience. And that sort of shaped me up. And when you look back at it now, you're going, all of these sequence of events have shaped me who I am. And now I'm just, you know, I embrace and feel very, very comfortable. Yeah. And I think that's the value of um, any good personal development program, right, is just mm. like you say, is that the hill you want to die on? We're all doing something that isn't helpful to us, but it, it's just the way we've, we've grown up, the strategies we've learned for dealing with life yeah. and uh, getting what we want, right or wrong. There is no right or wrong. It's just how it is. But we don't know what we're doing until somebody points it out to us. Well, I used to think that everybody thought the same as me. Yeah. Right? It's that their thinking pattern is different. I didn't realise that I was only only 25% of the population think the way I do. And it doesn't make the other 75% wrong. It just makes them different. Yes. Um, although that's what I thought at the time. I just couldn't understand why 75% of the population was always wrong. I know. Yeah, I Why right. is everybody opposing me? Why am I having so much pushback? What the hell is wrong with you people? <laughs> so um, I made up at the beginning of course and said, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I am going to play this 100% for the next three days. And yeah. then at the end of the three days, I get to decide whether or not I revert back to old Glenn or yeah. whether or not I'm different. And hence I found that I was um, wanting to do things a little bit differently. What a great weekend for you that was. It was. It was um, I ended up doing, uh, they have the Forum Advanced and the Curriculum for Living. So I ended up doing several courses with them. Right. And, um, and then I kind of, if you shape yourself, then you have to shape the community, right? So then I then uh, went on a process of uh, enrolling people yeah into landmarks so that my surroundings could change so my sister did it my auntie did it my uncle did it my wife did it um i will be enrolling my children still in it and a number of my friends did it and i could very easily pick the people who have done landmark which is right because um i know i've done a lot of courses over time and then come back with all these great skills and new knowledge about self and how to interact with people but then end up back in the same workplace that I was in beforehand and it all kind of comes to a crashing halt because I, I, I come in, I want to be different in the workplace, but I'm still dealing with people who are, do, who are still themselves and trying to 
still change the communication style and maintain my new style of communication. And I think that's the biggest challenge with upskilling yourself is then actually applying it in real life. But, you know, a great idea is to have everybody else in your family do it as well. So you're all on the same page. Katie, I, I do remember another time that that happened in my life. Uh, I was probably about 23 or 24 at the time. I'm going to a lot of nightclubs and I was taking drugs. And I saw a friend of mine um, take uh, an acid um, and then flip out. And um, I looked at my life and sort of went, this is not going the direction I want it to. So basically, I moved back home. And so I removed all of my friends at the time um, from my social scene. I stopped going to all of the nightclubs um, that I was going. And um, obviously, I stopped taking any of the drugs I was doing. Um, and I started reading education and personal development books. So basically, I changed everything in my, um, and I changed the work, the job I was doing too. So I changed everything because I just wasn't happy. I wasn't on the direction that I wanted to. Yeah. I look back at now and sort of think, wow, I've done this several times in my life where I've just gone 100% in and sort of going, this isn't what I want and done everything um, and changed. And so I've sort of thought, well, you've got to take action when you're serious about if it's the life that you want, go ahead and live it to the fullest, but you only get one. So if you're not doing the things you want to be doing every second of your life, then do something to change it. Yep. For me, it's, it's always boots in. Yeah. Jump in boots and all, but it's right. We only get one life and we actually don't know how long we get that for. Unfortunately, we don't have, we, nobody knows their expiry date and we all think we're going to have a nice long life. Uh, it's not always true, of course. So I, I was a bit the same. I don't know how old you were when you decided to make some of those major changes in your life, but I was uh, in my early 20s when I first started deciding, I think there's more. I think I'm, I think I'm not doing something right. Like I'm, I, I'm pretty sure I'm responsible for my own misery <laughs> at the moment and I need to. And, you know, it's funny the people that you meet along the way um, that, are, that turn out to be the saviours. You know, there was a girl who was... Uh, same as me, just a bit lost in, in you know, in uh, our emotions and, and our behaviours. And she gave me a book and went, oh, you should really read this. It was Louise Hay. I don't know if you've heard of her. But Louise Hay's, you know, can you, you can heal your life. And I looked at it and went, oh, yeah, great, a book. Thanks. I don't read that much, but thanks very much. And I put it on the shelf and I didn't read it for about, two years I sort of just obviously decided I'd suffer on for a little bit longer but you know on those one day that miracle day where you go oh there's that book I think I'm gonna have a little flick through it and it was just that kickstart moment you know oh why didn't I read that two years ago you know it could have been two years down the track but it's a never-ending process the whole continuing your learning and opening new doors and and just changing the way you think and feel about life is a constant, I don't know about you, but I, I feel it's really just a constant um, keeping at it because of the way that the brain works. You keep flipping in and out of old behaviours and, and thought patterns depending on who you're around, what's happening and, and all of those kinds of things. Yeah, it's um, a lot of habits and stuff like that, um, but it's good to look back 
I don't think you were ready to read the book two years ago. Well, and, clearly, uh, yeah. And then when you picked it up, you know, that's when you were ready and therefore you embraced the knowledge and then made a change. If you had a record read it before you've gone yeah read it nothing you know flicked it aside so yeah. everything you don't realize that when you're young so see these um beautiful lines <laughs> um they're only for the lucky the lucky that get to 56 yeah um, and if i'm lucky enough to get another 20 years fantastic i yeah. used to think that all of these lines were oh my goodness they're ugly and uh, how could you know it's all about image and then i started to realize not everybody gets to 56 exactly yeah. right and, you know, we all complain about birthdays. Oh, I'm getting old. And it's like, no, it's your birthday. That's the whole point, to gather as many as you can, right? That's the whole right. game of it. Get as many birthdays as you can. Yep, yep, get as many as you can. Yeah. So, Glenn, tell me, um, I like to ask people, you know, we've talked about your greatest hardships, biggest risk you've taken, but is there um, a hardship that you've gone through that you voluntarily put yourself through. You know, often the hardships that we think about are the ones that are thrust upon us without our choice. Um, but sometimes we go through a great hardship because, but it's a voluntary thing. We've chosen to do something because we want the change in our life, but it turns out to be something that's quite arduous or, or a really big obstacle for us to overcome. Does anything come to mind? Um, look, I'd probably say um, the uh, landmark education one would be the one that, you know, it's such a major impact. And I think the the one that I'm doing right now, um, I've um, made the decision in regards to health. And uh, um, I don't want the six pack anymore, but I don't want to be someone who is in their 70s living that can't move effectively. Um, I like mobility. All right. If I allow myself to think too much and because I'm sitting down, I, I would go loopy. Um, I need to be mobile. And so I've made the decision to um, put myself through um, quite a rigorous um, transformation. Um, and that includes, I guess it's really everything you get. I'm going to, I know I'm going to get challenged by a lot of those sorts of things. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I know I won't understand a lot i know i won't um know what to do but i've got good people like yourself and um you know adrian my uh, fitness coach um to help me and plus i've got myself right yeah. so whatever problems come up i'll i'll just be able to deal with them yes because you've already learned that you've been building all your skills and tools for however long you've been doing it you are well equipped and very resourceful yeah and so you've got to trust yourself um i'm okay at making my own mistakes i'm not okay at listening to other people um when i don't want to do something and then go mm, okay well it didn't work but my gut never really told me that you know i should have gone down that path anyway yeah so voluntarily i'd still go back and say um the the mental game of a landmark education was probably uh the craziest um thing that i've ever done and how much i played that full out yeah so i have a i have a tattoo on my body um my mother said i was only able to get one um so i went out and got a <laughs> nine a, half, a tattoo that took nine and a half hours um, <laughs> it and, covers and it, my whole left side <laughs> it covers my whole body and then sort of you know uh, <laughs> but it says um committed to my goals and dreams i must be 100 percent all in yeah i think that's really a good expression for uh who i am 
if I'm going to do this health thing, if I'm going to do this work thing, uh, if I'm going to do this podcast thing, then I better be a hundred percent all present. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be doing a podcast with you and then listening and thinking other thoughts. I just want my whole focus to be with you. Then yeah. nothing else matters. And then when I finish this, then my whole focus will be on the next thing. And that's kind of the way that that's what's worked for me in my life, I guess. And I think it's a great philosophy, right? If you ever listen to any of the great spiritual teachers or anyone from, you know, about stoicism, any, it doesn't really sort of matter which philosophy or uh, type of personal development that we uh, look at. They actually all point to that one thing as, as being a big crucial part of it in whatever moment that you're in be in that moment and not all splintered across the, the globe on the 75 other things that you want to do or have to do that day. You just focus on the one at the time that you're in. That's a, a recipe for feeling more relaxation in the body, getting more enjoyment and fun out of everything. Mm-hmm. And speaking of fun and enjoyment, I do want to come back to your bio where you talk about being a global distance runner, which I didn't know about you. And do you still do that? Is that go? Is that part of your desire now to become get your fitness back? How long ago were you doing the distance running, and how how bigger distances were you running? Okay, so um, it's I guess it's my competitive nature. At the time, I was running. Oh, no, you're uh, competitive. Would never have picked that. Yeah. Um, I used to go on walking uh, with my wife around a, a, an area in um, Sydney called the Bay Walk, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it's a six and a half K walk. I couldn't help myself. After a while, we've been doing it. Um, I sort of said, well, what about we run, you know, for the next kilometre? And then um, then we walk and then we run another kilometre. And um, in the end, she said, you know what? i got the shits with you. I've come here to enjoy this walk. <laughs> You've turned it into, you know, this uh, got to get around a certain amount of time thing. Then it turned into, um, uh, at the time I was living about six kilometers away from there. So then I used to run to the bay, then run and do the bay and then run home. So it became 18. Then I used to run and do two laps and three laps. And then, then I competed in a, um, a marathon. Then I competed in five marathons. Um, and then I tried an ultra, uh, which is a hundred kilometers. And, in the track, what I learned by that was um, just training um, to do the ultra is different from running a marathon. Mm-hmm. And I love um, the learning about myself as I'm going through that journey. Um, I haven't run for a while while I've been setting up this particular business, uh, but it is something that I enjoy doing. Um, and it is something that um, I have a desire to run two um, marathons um, when I get back into my fitness. And one of them is obviously the New York and then there's Hawaii. Um, I'd like to do both those because they're challenging terrain. Yep. So are they ultras or just normal marathons? Hawaii is an ultra, um, but the New York marathon is just a normal marathon. Yep. Well, I say normal, but it's not really normal to run 42 kilometres for anyone, you know? Yeah. Well, it is for a lot of people, right? There's so many people who do marathons. I know quite a few people who are marathon runners, uh, you know, do triathlons, long distance, ultras. And I uh, have a friend in the UK. He 
just mad. I'm not sure if he still is since uh, all the COVID stuff. Yeah, I think he's shifted over to cycling. But he was a mad runner. He went and did, um, it was an uphill run in South Africa. I'm trying to remember how far it was. It was an ultra. So it was like 70 miles uphill or something stupid like that. Just, um, but just people who have that ability and tenacity to just stick with it and get through to the end. And a really good book I've read recently, if you're into reading or listen to Audible, it's called Can't Hurt Me by a guy called David Goggins. And he it's such a fascinating book. He's a, he's a bit of a nutter. He's only in his 40s, I think, and um, he's a Navy SEAL, done all these, uh, you know, amazing stuff, like how tough you have to be to be able to become a Navy SEAL. But then he went on and became an ultra marathon runner and, you know, ran a 100-mile race with, with no training at all. Just somebody said, you know, you need to do that race so you can do this race. And that, but he, it's really what I love about that book is how he really dives into what it's like, how you think and feel when you're in that hell of doing your ultra marathon. Do you remember what it was like for you? Like, Have you only ever done the one ultra so far? So I remember in my training um, I was running up the M4 and I'd run about 68 kilometres and I just had this realization, oh, my God, I've still got a marathon to go. And literally within 10 meters, I'd listen to all the excuses and I'd stop running. And I had to call someone to come and get me to come home. And I started to realize then the information that you put inside your mind can absolutely change um, what um, your body produces. Yeah. So, um it can work in reverse too. So if you tell yourself, I can do this, I can do this, I can yeah. push, there's only pain. Um, I didn't realise it, but um, I, I ran one marathon and I had a, um, uh, a fracture in my right leg um, yeah. at the top of the tibula fibula, um, where joining the knee. And uh, it was painful, but I ran 42 kilometres on it. Yeah, And then I saw the surgeon, the osteopathic surgeon at the end of it. And he said, um, you ran what? And I said, I just finished a marathon. I got this uh, sore here. And he said, how long you had it? And I said, oh, I got it about two days before. And he said, and then you ran the race. So um, pain's just something that you can, um, hey, I know I'm alive. You can deal with pain management and look at the way women give birth every day. Yes, yes. All right. So um, they manage the pain. They get through it. Yeah. and you're capable of a lot more than mo what most people think they are. Exactly right. I, I highly recommend this David Goggins book, Can't Hurt Me, because that's what he basically talks about because he ran with two broken legs uh, doing, you know, through his Navy SEAL work and like, and that was for a whole week, I think it was. They had to run every day and he did it for a whole week and he was strapping his legs with, um electrical tape or something or duct tape or something you know just to try and keep it all together there's it's a, an amazing book just chock-a-block full of really amazing stuff he's done but what he points out is exactly the same thing you just talked about about how your mind will determine whether you hit that point where you give up 
or you pull yourself together and you find that second win, third win, fifth win, you know, like he's saying, you you give up, you've, you've still got more in your tank. You've probably got still 50% left in your tank, but because your mind's come in and taken over and started with all the excuses. And he talks about being in um, Navy, you know, in training for Navy SEAL in what they call Hell Week. And uh, each person that drops out of Hell Week, they have to go and ring the bell and put their helmet down. So there's this lineup of helmets, you know, at the end of Hell Week of all the people who just quit. And he says, but quitting, it doesn't happen right there on the moment. Like the minute they ring the bell, that's not when they quit. They quit days before when they let that first thought into their head about this is horrible, this is whatever, you know, the, the, the brain starts and then it leads to the quitting. So it's about being in, in charge of your mind. And if you're going to get back into ultras, I really highly recommend you read that book. It's amazing the stuff he's done. So um, when I was running and I breached the 10 kilometres uh, mark, I, I realised, you know what, um, you can't eat before, all right? Yeah. Um, and then when I reached the 20 kilometer mark, I realized um, uh, how important um, having good socks was, right? <laughs> because I used to get these blisters, right? Yeah. And so I went, oh, well, you've got to have the right equipment. At 40 Ks, you start to realize um, you've got to be having um, water breaks. Yeah. You've got to be, you know, looking after your body in terms of nutrients and keeping it hydrated. Yeah. And at different stages of running ultras, right? You learn different things about your body. Yeah. Whether or not you're prepared to listen to your body, right? That's a good um, thing to do. Um, and then take the action necessary. But your body's capable. It's built that way. Yeah. Right? It needs uh, a physical exertion, you know. So my job keeps me certainly very active. And I want to continue that. I yeah. see a lot of people that sort of say, I'm, I feel tired. I'm like, well, how much exercise? Oh, no, I, I don't have the energy to exercise. I'm like, if you did exercise right? Then you'd find you'd have a lot more energy. You've just got to start the ball rolling. That's the hardest part. Yep. That's my philosophy as well, because uh, I certainly learned that if my body's in pain, like sore muscles and whatever, you know, you wake up sometimes. I used to have fibromyalgia. I had a lot of sore muscles all the time. And I worked out that actually moving my body, because it was just sore, oh, I'm too sore. I can't go and exercise. But it was finding exercise not really hard stuff but finding exercise moving the body getting the muscles supple getting the blood moving all of that actually makes the pain go away and you're right it's the same for if you're too tired well go do a workout don't have to smash yourself but go and move yourself and get the blood pumping your brain starts pumping and everything changes and that's how you build your energy um, and a lot of people think I don't have the time, yes. you know, I've, I've done some workouts six minutes and I was absolutely shattered. So yeah. if you can't find six minutes in your day, I have to ask you, really, are you in control of your own life or yeah. is your life in control of you? Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? I often say, you know, for, for myself as well, when my brain pops in and says, I haven't got time to do the workout today. Well, if you haven't got 15 minutes, there's something wrong with your life and you need to yeah. change that. So you've got to get yeah. in. And my, um, when I started creating my own changes, what I came up with was the story because my brain would go, oh, a half an hour, I've got to go to the gym, whatever. 
And it was it was too big, right? So in overall, too much. Okay, so my new rule was two minutes. That's it. I just got to do two minutes because everybody can do two minutes. And my start off was always to start dancing. So I'm a bit of a geek now. I Kylie Minogue's Locomotion, that's my get going song. And by the time of two minutes, there was, I think there over a whole year, there was probably only about maybe two days where that two minutes didn't actually turn into something else, maybe because I had migraine or something. But two minutes, right, it's just that little win and it gets you going. And then once you go, you're, you're good to go. You're gone. Yeah. Well, I don't think I've ever wanted to go to the gym or ever wanted to go running. Yeah. But when I've come back from them, I've always felt great. And yeah. when you break down what actually stops you, I mean, you'll probably be fantastic at doing this for a lot of your clients. Yeah. Um, when I started running, I, I sort of went, okay, so when I'm nice wrapped up in bed and I'm next to my significant other and uh, the alarm goes off, it's pretty unfair um, to think, why would I want to get out of that? I'm safe. I've got something to cuddle, somebody to cuddle. It's yeah, warm. Yeah. I've just woken up. There's lots of reasons why you should stay in bed, right? Why would you want to go out in the cold? So I said, well, it's really unfair. But if I know that once I've got my gear on and I'm, I'm running, I, I'm, I've run in the rain, that never bothered me. Yeah. All I really have to do is wake up and just put my shoes on. And if I can wake up, just put my shoes on, well, I've got my shoes on. I might as well put my shorts on. Um, I might as well put my shirt on. I might as well just keep going. Yeah. There were a couple of times where I put my shoes on and got back into bed. But do you know how uncomfortable <laughs> it is with a doona and you've got these rubber shoes sort of thing and they catch yeah. and everything? You just think, oh, screw it. I might as well go running anyway. Yeah. So you just got to come up with some sort of mechanism that um, uh, puts it on an even keel yeah. and sort of says, well, now it's fair that I've got all my gear on. That's what I want. Yeah. And staying in bed, that's not what you don't want. Yeah. I call them gateway habits. So they're like you say, you you the evening before you've put your stuff out. So that's a gateway habit. That means that in the morning you you can just step into it. Because the first obstacle is if I've got to go look for my stuff, ah, not gonna happen. And and breaking it down to this is the thing for procrastination as well, but breaking it down to that the tiniest, tiniest little step that you can take, which is basically the first one is get them covers off. Put your feet in the shoes. Okay, like you say, now I've got my shoes on, all I could do is get my keys, you know, obviously clothes for you because shoes were the first thing you put on, not the last. But, yeah, it's all little steps and that's the real secret to getting out and getting started. you got to have that first step, which for me was my two minutes and Kylie Minogue, because the first step has to be an easy one. And then once you go, ah, well, I'm already started, might as well keep going. I, I ran a training the other day for uh, the upcoming election and I used to like to play music as people were coming in. And one of the songs was Kylie Minogue, Locomotion. And I said... Um, uh, as they all come in, who doesn't love a little bit of Kylie, you know, before they get started and go ready to do a training session. And the lady on the left, I can't remember her name, said, well, I don't like Kylie. And I just looked at her and went, it's going to be a shit time for you then. <laughs> and everybody else just cracked up and just sort of went, yeah, right. And then we moved on with the training. But it was just one of those moments of going, well, that could go either either <laughs> one way or the other. 
um, they could all gang up on me and sort of going, yeah, we all hate Carly. Or, but <laughs> uh, lucky for me that everybody loves Carly. Yeah. It's funny. I sent uh, the link to a friend this morning because she was saying, you know, she's been unwell and, you know, energy. And I went, oh, well, this is the way to get yourself back up. Here's Kylie. I said, you'll see there's 20, 20 million views or something on it. And I said, I think I take up a fair portion of it because <laughs> I play it nearly every day and I have been doing for like 10 years. So play Kylie. Go Kylie. Go Kylie. All right, Glenn, I think we're running out of time. And uh, the last couple of questions I talk about, we've really covered because I sort of talk about how did your earlier career choices lead to where you are now and what you've drove you into this uh, field and motivated you to stick with it. And I think we've pretty well covered that. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, I think um, uh, one of the things that's made us uh, even more successful is um, the business partner that I've taken on board is um, she thinks differently to the way that I do. And ultimately, we're uh, a profitable company um, because um, of the way that she thinks. So I have my strengths, she has hers. Some of the times that she challenges me, I do rub and I do want to pull a pin, but I stick with it because I know what the ultimate goal is. Yep. And this is just an obstacle, a challenge or whatever. So get people around you again that are committed to the same things that you're committed to yep. get people that um, help you on that particular path. And if you're not, if you don't have, um, uh, you know, people that do it for free, pay people to do it, but don't waste your life um, trying to sometimes figure it out when you could be fast tracking, you know, your way to success, whatever that definition is for you, yep. um, but get the right people around you. Yes, I always remember a quote or part of a story I read and it was don't surround yourself with yes people. You want people who will argue with you over your ideas so that you have to fight for them and when you fight for them, that's when you really decide, oh, is it good or isn't it? Or maybe because I've had to fight for it, I've thought of some extra things. It really rounds out your ideas. We don't want yes people. We want no people. Well, Susie's definitely not a yes person, so... <laughs> She fits the category. <laughs> she fits the category, yep. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, Glenn, where can people find you if they want to know more about your business and how you can help them? Oh, well, I'm big on Facebook. Um, so uh, if they want to know about, like, I guess my journey, they can see a lot of it at, um, you know, go to Facebook and look for that referral guy. Yeah. Uh, my current business is uh, that cleaning crew. Okay. Right? They can see a lot of recognition, that referral guide, that cleaning crew. Um, there's a lot of similarities because that's why people know me. Um, but that cleaning crew will get you um, uh, direct to me, either the webpage or Facebook, you can see. Cool. And we'll have all your contact details on here as well. So okay. thanks, thanks again for coming on the show today and pulling up and making time for the podcast. It's been absolutely great pleasure talking to you today, Glenn. And uh, thank you to everybody who's watching for joining us today. It's always really hard to say goodbye. So please make sure you subscribe to the channel. Leave us a comment below if there's something that we've talked about today that uh, has inspired you or helped you overcome an obstacle or just even if you have a question for Glenn or myself. So thanks for watching and um, we will see you on the next show. And in the meantime, here's to your health and happiness so that you can love what you create. Bye for now.